Good evening, Sportzonians. How's everybody doing out there tonight? I am Mike Aglioloro. I am your host for this is Sports Zone. Recording with you live like we do each and every week here via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network. Of course, we are rebroadcast and redistributed on all our various podcasting outlets. So we always thank you for joining us, no matter how you join us, whether it is Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Once again, thank you for joining us. We have a hell of a show for you tonight. We're going to be joined by Dave Hastings in a matter of moments, Eric Tressler in a matter of moments, Eric Pfeiffer and Larry Schmelrose. I am sure we'll be here tonight. And oh boy, do we have a lot to talk about tonight. You know, the show that we had planned on doing and probably still will mostly do will be about, of course, the uh, the conference championship games that took place over the weekend. The fact that our Super Bowl matchup to take place in a week and a half. We'll see the Cincinnati Bengals making a Super Bowl for the first time since the 80s against the Los Angeles Rams, who currently have Matt Stafford as their quarterback and Odell Beckham Jr. as one of their wide receivers. We were going to talk about Tom Brady's false announcement of retirement on Saturday and then confirmed announcement of retirement today. We were probably, and this will be what leads into this, We were probably going to mention the fact that the Giants have a new head coach in the name of Brian Dable. And then, oh, I'd say at about 4 o'clock today, I'm chilling in, well, I'm in the car. I'm in Middletown, New York. I'm doing a couple things. And I'm listening to Carton Roberts on the phone. And then all of a sudden, you want to talk about the shit hitting the fan. Jesus Christ, the shit hit the fan here. So we had mentioned a number of weeks ago how we thought the dumbest coaching firing of this offseason was Brian Flores being fired as the head coach of the Miami Dolphins. And all four of us basically said in some way, shape, or form that we felt that the Giants would be best served having Brian Flores as their head coach. Uh, I believe it was Brooklyn. He was a native of Brooklyn or Queens, maybe the Bronx. I don't remember. One of the boroughs um, had a very good coaching record in Miami, and we thought that he would be the best one for the job. And then Joe Sean got announced as the GM a little over a week ago, I believe. And the speculation, especially after the divisional round, was maybe he brings his boy Brian Dable uh, in with him. Brian Dable, of course, the offensive coordinator for the um, Buffalo Bills. Um, And, you know, I I think the one thing everybody would have said is you take the fact that offensive coordinator of the Buffalo Bills with a grain of salt when, you know, he's working with a guy like Josh Allen, very good weapons, very good um, personnel on the offense. And you take, you kind of take that for granted. And then of course, uh, We'll talk about this, but let's let him in. I appear to have been having some issues on my end, on my end here. We are waiting for your audio. There he is. All right, cool. Eric Tressler is here tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Eric, how you doing? I'm all right. I'm doing good. I'm still on a puppy high, so cannot. Yeah, congratulations on the, on the puppy there, Lou Dog Tressler. 
Is that, yeah, is that where we're going to go? Okay. Louis, well, no, I, was, Louis. I was going by what I was combining names there because Fife had put in the text. It's Lou Dog, Lou Dog Tressler. You got a three. Yeah, you, can, there. you can do that too. However <laughs> you want to call him, just be nice to him. Mm. <laughs> I'll tell He's you awesome. this. So far, so good. Hey, congratulations, man. I'll tell you this. It's funny. So I don't have a dog. I, I just haven't had a dog. Cousin David, who's in the chat here tonight, he's got a dog named Ozzy, who's a lovable little guy, hyper as fuck, to the point where I personally, and I've called, told Cousin David and his wife this, I feel like they feed him nothing but cocaine. The first time I met him, he's just kind of running all over the room. He jumped right on my crotch when I wasn't expecting it. He missed the vital organs down there, but he came pretty close. Ozzy's a good dog, though. You guys would have fun. So, yeah. and... <laughs> um, and with that, Dave Hastings is here tonight as well. Dave, how you doing? I mean, there's nothing better than getting into the show and have the first thing I hear you say is that somebody almost jumped right on your crotch, but they missed. Oh, it was cousin David's dog, Ozzy. It was cousin David's uh, dog, Ozzy. Hyper little fucker, let me tell you. Yeah, that was literally the first thing I heard. I'm like, all right, this show's going to be interesting. <laughs> yeah, you missed the lead up to it. But yeah, no, that was the first time I met Ozzy over the summer. He lovable dog, lovable dog. I like him. My, br my brother just got a nice dog, too. His name is Duke. Duke is a very mellow dog, which is very different from Ozzy and my sister's dog, Coco. Huh? Huh? Are you good? Oh, okay. I thought I heard something there. All right. I'm hearing things. All right. Um, so as I started to say before you guys came onto the show, I'm, I'm sure we all had a lot of very th fun things we wanted to talk about today on the show and we're still going to get to them uh but unfortunately we have to uh we have to start off with something that i don't think any of us really want to talk about and it's something that um you know we've said before it's not something we usually talk about but it's the biggest story of the day so we kind of have to talk about it um the one thing we were going to know it's such a shame that tom brady had to retire i mean isn't it yes it's, I mean, I, I got to be honest, yes. none of us really wanted to start the show off talking about it. It's just, it's been heartbreaking. Heartbreaking for the sport. Did you love, did you love the fact that uh, the Patriots fans are so mad that he didn't thank them in the Instagram message? No, I didn't see that, but that's the same. Oh, they're, they're upset. They are upset. Like, Dave Portnoy was losing his shit over it. It was, it was fantastic. So mad, in fact, that I get in the car and I'm listening to Carton Roberts and, um, Craig Carton goes, we have we have a special press conference from Patriot Joe. Patriot Joe, a very esteemed member of the Patriots fan community. And they put and they cut to him. And it's just Carton yelling, ah! it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. But yeah, apparently a lot of people are pissed off that Brady did not thank the Patriots. Yeah, no, I'm not pissed about it. I care less who he thanked. I mean, it's just yeah. a great career. Great career. Honestly, Honestly, yes. though, my favorite part, the uh, favorite part about the whole situation is that the picture he used for his post is the picture that they took of him after the Bucks beat the Patriots this year. I did hear, I did hear that. Yes, I did hear I that. that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, all of us came on this show last week, and we all said we did not think Brady was retiring. And then, of course, the 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 false announcement on Saturday comes out. And then we get the confirmation today. I am surprised. I really thought he was coming back for year 45. But uh, is anybody, listen, when you feel it's your time to go, you feel like it's your time to go, and more power to him. Um, he does end after one of the worst played playoff games of his career. 
but with seven championships in his under his belt, uh, he he's got nothing left to prove. What do you say, Dave? Yeah, no. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I mean, look, when it's all said and done, he he has nothing left to prove. Um, I think for him. One of the things he was thinking about is he didn't want to be that guy that everybody was like, oh, you retired a year too late. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I think he prides himself on always being on the top of his game. And I think he knew even if he could have given it one more year, there was no guarantee he'd be on top of his game. So I think for him, it was one of those situations where he figured, I'd rather go out now than basically be forced out. And uh, I, I really think that's that's part of it. I think the other part of it is from the sounds of things, like he definitely had the interest of, you know, trying to spend time with his kids and doing all that stuff as well, which, I mean, you can't blame the guy. So I just think it's one of those moments where you just appreciate his greatness and, you know, be thankful that we got to see somebody as good as him play the game and, really kind of set the standard for what a quarterback is and should be. Um, you know, I, he owns every record in the books, so he took care of that this year. I, I don't know if we'll ever see a player win as many Super Bowls as him, so he'll probably be sitting on top of that for a long time. Um, yeah, I, I honestly think it, it, it was a great time for him. It's a great time for him to go. He's got his health. His mental still seems to be there. And yeah, I, I think walking away with the respect that he has, I mean, the amount, I, I was dying. I saw uh, Jalen Ramsey came out and tweeted and said, oh my God, the greatest of all time is retiring and his last touchdown pass was on me. I saw you that. Know, like that. That just shows you the kind of respect that he has amongst the players. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we'd all agree Jalen Ramsey's kind of a, I don't want to say diva, but probably the closest word I could think of to describe the kind of player he can be at times. I mean, slightly. Yeah. Yeah. For Christ's sakes, he was trying to fight with a kicker uh, on Sunday. So (laughs) that kind of sums it up right there. He's got Um, a little urban Meyer in him, huh? Yeah, I guess so. So yeah, I, I, uh, I think it's good for Brady and I'm glad we got to see him play. And I think the saddest part to me about the whole thing is, you know, when it's really all said and done, like the best quarterbacks that we've watched uh, are, are all have all already basically hung it up. All that's really left, uh, as uh, our buddy Fife pointed out, is uh, Rogers and Wilson. Are really... Oh, that was me. That was me. Oh, that was you. I'm sorry. Yep. You, Fife, te- Fife texts a lot in that group text, so I, I usually just assume it's him. Very uh, fair. But yeah, I, I just I genuinely thought that. Uh, you know, that's probably the saddest part for me. It's like, God, we're de- I'm definitely getting older. Like, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the text I sent earlier today was there's only, however, however you want to look at it, there's only six or seven starting quarterbacks from this past year who have been in the league 10 years or more. It's Aaron Rodgers, uh, Russell Wilson, Ryan Tannehill, Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, Matt Ryan, and Cam Newton, if you count them. That's crazy to think about. Yeah, and we still don't know. We're watching them more than half our lives. Absolutely, absolutely. We were probably all in high school when most of those guys started. Yeah. So. And hey, last Montreal, last Montreal Expo ever drafted. 
that was a that was, that was a good pull you had there. I did not know that. I had to look that up. He was he was drafted as a catcher in '95. Yeah, in the seven in the 18th round at 17 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, but drafted by the Expos. So just to, just to show you how long he's been playing, mm-hmm. Expos were still around. Yep. Yep. All right, this was this was fun to talk about. Let's just get this out of the way real quick here. So we were probably going to bring up that Brian Dabold was hired last week as the head coach of the New York Giants. And uh, we had all said a few weeks ago on this show that we thought Brian Flores should be the next head coach of the New York Giants. We didn't understand why he was fired from Miami after three basically successful seasons where he was handed a team very devoid of talent, wound up winning about five games in 2019, won 10 games in 2020, started the year uh, one in seven, and then, or was I oh and seven, one and seven, whatever the hell it was, he won seven games in a row or eight games in a row. I don't remember, but, and almost had them in playoff contention and he still gets fired. And then today the news comes out, that Brian Flores has filed a lawsuit. Uh, main defendants are the NFL, the Miami Dolphins, the New York Giants, and the Denver Broncos. Now, all 29 teams are named, but those three teams are the ones specifically named. It alleges widespread racial prejudice, discrimination, and use of the Rooney Rule to string along minority candidates teams never considered hiring. Now, I skimmed through this 58-page lawsuit I'm not going to bore you guys with a lot of the details. There's four very important things to bring up here. Uh, Brian Flores alleges that team owner Stephen Ross wanted him to intentionally lose games and offered him $100,000 per loss to do so. And as a result of him not losing games, he pissed off Steve Ross. In that offseason, the 2019 offseason, he further alleges that he was pressured into breaking league tampering rules by Steve Ross, who wanted him to meet with an unnamed prominent quarterback back in violation of the tampering rules. Flores repeatedly confused, refused. Ross invited Flores onto a yacht for lunch, and shortly after, Ross told Flores that the prominent quarterback was conveniently arriving at the marina, to which Flores left. The rumor that's been going around the last couple hours is that that was Tom Brady. And they, this is this is one of the crazier ones. Like, these are all crazy allegations, if they're true. The Giants supposedly hired Dayball before Flores was ever interviewed. And the proof he has of this is that Flores was supposed to be interviewed last Thursday. On either Monday or Tuesday, he gets a text from Bill Belichick. The text reads... Sounds like you have landed. Congrats. Flores goes, did you hear something I didn't hear? Belichick responds, Giants. Flores says, I interview on Thursday. I think I have a shot at it. Belichick goes, got it. I hear from Buffalo and the Giants that you are their guy. Hope it works out if you want it to. Flores goes, that's definitely what I want. I hope you're right, coach. Thank you. And then all of a sudden, Flores goes, coach, are you talking to Brian Flores or Brian Dable? Just making sure. Belichick then responds, sorry, I fucked up. I double-checked and misread the text. I think they are naming Dable. 
I am sorry about that, BB. Flores goes, thank you, Bill. And then the fourth claim in this lawsuit is that the Broncos, who interviewed him in 2019, their representatives, General Manager John Elway and President and Chief Executive Officer Joe Ellis, showed up to the interview an hour late, looking completely disheveled, and obviously had been drinking heavily the night before. It was clear from the substance of the interview that Flores was only interviewed because of the Rooney rule, and the Broncos never had any intention to consider him as a legitimate candidate for the job. Shortly thereafter, Vic Fangio was hired to be the head coach of the Broncos. The NFL has already come out and called these uh, claims uh, totally without merit, uh, only two hours after the claims were made. The Giants have refuted this, the Dolphins have refuted this, and the Broncos have refuted this. Uh, This is a class action lawsuit, which means other plaintiffs can join this. And I can only wonder how this is all going to play out. So with that whole preamble that I hope I did not cut out at any point for, I want to turn it to you guys. Um, Eric, I'm going to start with you here because your Giants are kind of in the crosshairs. I think the only reason why you guys don't look worse is because at least your owner didn't pay $100,000 per loss. Uh, You hear this. What do you think about it? No, this is awful on all ends. But if you ask me, you know, you know, you know me. I'm the one who puts the tinfoil hats on. And sure. This sounds believable to me. I believe yes. Bill Belichick screwed up. I believe that that owner probably did offer him money to, to lose some games. Hey, listen, not saying you got to lose them, but if you do happen to lose them, there could be a little extra in there for you. Like, I could see that. The, the Brady thing, I mean, listen, if the rest of it's true, crazier things have happened. So you never know. I mean, I just – it really is weird. I, I mean, you guys have heard me and Fife full say in the last couple of weeks how we both thought Flores was the guy they should have went with. Yes. Um, you know, why he left, you know, Miami. Listen, that owner, who knows what's going on with him? Who knows what's going on with, with the Giants ownership either? Because, like, it's it, to me, it was all lip service. If you look at the, especially after they hired Schoen, the, the fact that um, all their candidates were defensive coordinators other than Dable was the only offensive guy and everybody knows they needed an offensive mind right now to have any chance to resurrect Daniel Jones, the mm-hmm. last chance to Jeffrey. So to, to being that Dable was the only guy who was an offensive coordinator alone was a red flag. That, that was probably the way they were going. Um, yeah. I think Flores has a point here. Do I think everybody in the league is racist? No. Do I think that some older white guys who still own teams might be a little bit more than others? Sure, I can believe that. You know, I don't think that that's that far fed. Yeah. You know, it's not, that there isn't much minority ownership. You, you kind of covered that. I mean, outside of what Khan, I think is the most ethnic of all the owners. Um, that sounds right. You know, so I mean, a. a they, maybe if they get some representation and ownership, I think more of this will change. We've been talking for years and years now. Why hasn't the enemy gotten a job? Makes no sense to anybody. Well, you know, the fact that Flores would get fired after the what, winning eight out of nine to finish the season and seven in a row and, and nearly becoming a playoff team. And, you know, all I, I, none of it makes a ton of sense. And it doesn't look good. And I, I hate to say it because – you know, we hate talking about these kind of things, but when stuff yeah. like this comes up, you know, you get punched in the face with it. <laughs> like, yeah. honestly, like, you can't, there's no better way to really describe it is it just, you know, you can't avoid it. 
Like, you know, you, there is no bouncing around the subject, you know? Something is a little fishy here. And like I said, when you put the text messages together and you put the other things together, you know, Flores, you know, like yeah, I, I saw him write that, you know, he loves coaching and maybe this means that he never coaches again because of doing something like this. But, you know, at the same time, there's no reason some of these guys shouldn't be getting more jobs or, or should be getting fired as, as, you know, often as they are. I mean, there are some really crappy teams in the league this year. Not all of them changed, you know, uh, head coaches. So I, yeah. I don't think Flores was the issue in Miami. And I think he, he's got a point here, as unfortunate as it is to say. Um, I hope this does wake up ownership because, listen, I, I could care less what color you are. Just go out and win football games. Like, that's the goal. Like, yep. that's everybody's goal here. Like, and if that's not your goal, then I, I don't know why you're an owner. I don't know why you're involved. I don't know why anybody's doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, they everybody should be there to win. And who gives you the best chance to win? Well, I got to be honest. Flores at least has head coaching experience, has a couple of winning records under his belt. Things just didn't work out in Miami. Well, guess what? They may work out better here. You never know. But at least he's got head coaching experience. And the one thing the Giants haven't tried to hire lately is somebody with head coaching experience. So I I just – I don't think this looks good for anybody, honestly. Yeah, and the the lawsuit is pretty thorough when it comes to kind of narrating the history of the NFL's track record when it comes to race. I'm not going to go into the details of that, but a lot of the things we've kind of heard about over the years, whether it was – Coaches who were fired after winning seasons like a Jim Caldwell, Steve Wilkes, who was fired after one year in Arizona, um, certain things like that to go back to Washington's first owner who kind of led a gentleman's agreement to keep African-American players out of the out of the league for the better part of 20 years. It's pretty extensive. And I, I, I urge anybody to at least take a look at it just to see what he's talking about, because it's pretty eye opening. It's stuff we've all kind of heard about whispers in the wind, but to actually see it, it's, it's a different thing. Dave, what do you say? So I, um, I don't even think it requires the tinfoil hat. Um, yeah. If you really, really sit there and think about it, the NFL teams are owned by 32 very rich old white men. I mean, when it's all said and done, most of these guys were kids when the civil rights movement started. Um, so if you just think about that alone, they grew up in a household with parents that most likely, I'm not saying this is true, um, but most likely uh, were against the idea of the civil rights movement and doing away with segregation and all these different things that took place during the 60s. Um I mean, as a Cowboys fan, Jerry yep. Jones. Yep. Jerry Jones is in, in, in his 80s. So he was playing college football at Arkansas when the civil rights movement was going on. If you look back at the team pictures, I think there was maybe two African-Americans on the entire team. Not saying Jerry Jones is a racist man, but there's never been a black coach or head coach, I should say, of the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, they do have Will McClay, uh, who is in a quote unquote general manager role, even though Jerry owns the title of general manager. Um, you know, Will McClay definitely has a high ranking position in Dallas, but at the same time, 
you look at these owners and I mean, hell, let's go back to the Texans owner, uh, you know, before I was a McNair, I think his name was uh, before he yes. got banned league for his racist comments uh, that he got caught with. Or you can go to basketball and look at the old Clippers owner and his racist comments that got him kicked out of the league. These guys know how to keep things under wraps. I guarantee it's half the reason why all these emails with the Washington football team are so dangerous to let out into the public eye because I guarantee there's some things said in there that the NFL would not like, yeah, they'd still make their money, but their, their image would take a long, long time to recover from. Um, so I, I just, I, I don't think it's even requiring a tinfoil hat. I think it's simply realizing that the league is ran by a whole bunch of rich old white men who have their views and their beliefs. And though they know they can't say them publicly considering, you know, 80% of the rosters are African-American and, you know, probably about half the fan base of their teams is African-American and people that buy jerseys and hats and, and <laughs> different things that are out there that you can buy merchandise-wise are probably African-American. Um, I don't think there's a tinfoil hat to it. I, I think that it's the reality of it, and it's it it's bad. Um, but it, it's one of those things where what bothers me the most about this whole thing is at some point or another, Money will get involved and the parties that are involved that are, you know, filing the lawsuit are going to back off and step away because there's too much money to say no to. And, you know, round and round the wheel goes. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, this is one of those things where it's more the next generation of owners coming in, which, you know, we're still a while away from. And maybe you start seeing changes then. But who really knows? It, it's sad. And I mean, when all the you know, head coaching opportunities came available and all the candidates that were out there. Uh, I think most people would have agreed Flores was top three, maybe not number one, but he was one of the top three candidates to hire for a head coaching job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here we are sitting like nobody even knew Josh McDaniels was interviewing for head coaching jobs. And then he gets hired by the Raiders. Yeah. Oh, so, there, there's, there's a lot to believe in this story. Um, that Belichick text message is, is damning in a lot of different ways. Um, but when it's all said and done, I think this ends up getting swept under the, uh, under the carpet and the NFL uses, you know, the com- uh, you know, the combine down to mobile that's going on right now in Alabama. Um, you know, the, the lead up to the Super Bowl, the lead up to the draft, and they use all these things to cover, you know, draw your attention away from it and, before you know it, it's a side story that barely anybody's talking about, and it gets swept under the rug. Uh, honestly, in the long run, I think that's what we end up seeing happening, and it, it's part of the reason on why, you know, where this continues to happen. Um, you know, Eric mentioned Eric the Enemy, like, uh, and Cousin David just asked in the chat, has he even got an interview? No, he hasn't. Not one interview. Um now, I will say with him, I think there is a potential game plan in Kansas City of him taking over for Andy Reid. Um, I don't think Andy Reid plans on coaching that much longer. Uh, so I think that's kind of the, the hope is that, you know, the enemy is the guy that's going to take over for him and continue to learn from him. Um, but the fact he hasn't even gotten an interview is is damning in its own respect. So it's it's sad it's it's depressing it's it's embarrassing it's one of those things that you you just shake your head at and and all you can really do is is realize that 
that's how the league is, and I don't see it changing anytime soon. Yeah, and I agree with you. Money will talk. It will be interesting to see if this lawsuit actually reaches a courtroom or anything like that. I think my honest opinion is if you ask me what type of punishments are going to be doled out here, I think both the Giants and the Dolphins get uh, fined and probably docked draft picks. If it is in the Giants case, if it is proven that they actually did offer uh, Dayball the job before they interviewed Flores, uh, Frazier, and Patrick Graham, because I think they all came after Flores got those text messages. I, I think it's very possible to blame on this. You want to talk about a scapegoat? I think Joe Sean's job is in jeopardy. Uh, I'd be very surprised at this point if he reaches the season as the Giants GM because he seems the most likely to have to take the uh, fall on the sword for this one. Stephen Ross is the interesting case. Because if they actually prove... I think this falls on ownership, though. I really don't think it falls on the new piece. Yeah, but you know the old white guys are never going to never gonna do the time for their crime. They're going to pin it on someone no, else. But, and Mara's got they, an they, out. But then, that's not, but then that's nothing. That's not doing anybody any good. I agree, but I'm saying Mara has an out because he apparently publicly said he wanted Flores in the lawsuit. Uh, one whoever was setting up the interview with Flores said Mara really wants to meet you. They had a Zoom meeting that apparently went really well. I guess the week before Sean got hired, and then when Sean got involved, because it's easy to make the case. In my opinion, if I'm a lawyer, it's very easy to make the case that Sean made the decision on his own because he has the relationship with Dayball from Buffalo. You know what I'm saying? Oh no, I definitely think they came as a package deal. I'm not going to refute that. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I, I I wonder how hard Mara really fought it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But it's also it's also easy to say I wanted to let my football people do their job. Yeah. Yeah. Ross is the interesting case. Oh, way, very it's bad. All bad for everybody. Ross is the interesting case because if they're able to prove that he actually did offer Flores a hundred thousand dollars per game they lost. How do you – the NFL has never forced anyone out of an ownership position. We talked about it with Dan Snyder. He compromised the integrity of the league with that. How do you not punish him for that? I'll let you guys respond. Uh, I think they all deserve punishment of some sort. I mean, if it's – more than likely, uh, like you said, you don't got to go too far to probably prove a lot of this stuff i mean i think they all should get something i mean i don't think anybody you know listen it's it's just not a good look it's not it's not what you want from a league because again you should it doesn't matter the color of the skin you should be hiring on merit it seems like some of these guys have all the credentials necessary they're still losing out time and time again i mean we're down to one african-american coach in the league i believe right now yes yes i mean i'm not saying that you know it's you know I don't know. It's just, it's, it's very bad. And like I said, it's something that needs to be addressed. And I think the best way to address it is to publicly not just, you know, hide something under the, you know, we know they're going to brush this under the rug and make as little a deal out of it as possible. But like you said, the fines, I don't think is a drop in the bucket, probably going to be to these owners anyway. And really it's the draft picks. And if you really want to hurt them, you take away first and second rounders. You don't take away fifth and sixth and, you know, yeah. It's not what you, if you really want to make a difference next four or five years, you don't have a first round draft pick. You know, yeah. 
you lay something harsh enough, guess what? It's going to change the way your team and the culture around there starts to think about this. So I, I think that a, if you're going to levy penalties, they got to be harsh. If they're weak, then we know that the NFL, and we know that's what the NFL is going to do. They're going to put something weak out there, and they're going to just try to hide this best they can, get everybody hyped up about the Super Bowl, and by the time the season ends, the story will be, you know, under the rug. So it's sad to say, but we all know nothing stops the shield and they're going to find a way one way or another to really bury this without making it bigger than, than it should be. Mm-hmm. Last thing I'm going to say on this, and then uh, we'll go to Dave for final thoughts here. Cousin David puts in the chat, if you look at all 32 teams and there's only one black head coach, then I think we could all agree that merit is not being used in the criteria to make these hires. One of the things Flores is asking for in the lawsuit uh, is to require NFL teams to justify in writing their hiring and firing decisions, require NFL teams to supply side-by-side comparisons in record and resume when interviewing coaches. That'll be interesting to see if they wind up doing anything like that. I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if they do that. It'd be very interesting to see some of these guys have to thoroughly explain their decisions if they do it like that. Dave, what do you say? I mean, personally, I don't think we'll ever see that happen. But, yeah, that would be pretty cool. Um, that would definitely mm-hmm. put, uh, put a lot more pressure on on teams to be a lot more transparent and honest about the decision-making that they have. Um, but, like I said before, uh, and kind of like Eric just reiterated, when it's all said and done, I think when before this even gets finalized, this will be swept under the carpet and forgot about. And Somebody will randomly just tweet, uh, NFL settles with Brian Flores for undisclosed amount of money. Lawsuit's over. And nobody will know shit. And I think that's what we end up seeing. I have never in my life wanted the statement, nothing stops the shield to be wrong, because I think it would be nice if the NFL was actually able to get past it. Unfortunately... History is a good determination of what will happen in the, in the future. So I think we'll just leave it at that, and we'll move on. Got to have a good time here. Let's talk about the conference championship games. We had Kansas City taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, and we had the Los Angeles Rams taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And then there were two. And as we stand here, our Super Bowl matchup is the Cincinnati Bengals led by Joe Cool, Joe Burrow, taking on Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams. Never thought I'd say those words in the same sentence. So let's Most talk about – what would you say? Most people didn't. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about the games this week, and we'll start with the Bengals-Chiefs game, which for my money was – the most exciting game this weekend, just this weekend, not going further on the superlatives there. Um, so uh, Kansas City jumps out to the big league 21-3. to uh, Bengals cut into it, make it tw- uh, 21-10 right before halftime. Kansas City has the chance to score, goes for a little pass that looked like they were trying to uh, clock in, maybe try to get another play in before halftime, but uh, time runs out. And it's kind of a harbinger for things to come. Because in the second half, the Chiefs manage only three points. And Burrow leads a pretty big comeback to tie the game at 24. We go into overtime. Once again, Kansas City wins the coin toss. 
but this time they can't score. Bengals get the ball back, game-winning field goal. And there we go with the Bengals. I'll throw it to you guys. Dave, let's start with you. Well, I think what's really funny is didn't uh, Mahomes throw the pick 13 seconds into the start of overtime? And everybody, we were all going nuts about how he got him into field goal range at 13 seconds to tie the game and force overtime. Uh, I, I could be wrong, but I think that happened. I, uh, I have I have to check now. Look, I, I'll be honest. Yes, yeah, he did. yes. He did. He did. He did. I, I, yeah, I'm going we're, we're talking apples and oranges here. 14 seconds in, but yes, you are correct, Dave. I mean, you can't make that shit up. Uh, yeah. Look, Cincinnati literally did the exact same thing to Kansas City that they did in their uh, regular season matchup. They let Kansas City go up and down the field, put up points, make Mahomes look like, uh, you know, uh, give him his gold jacket now. There's no need to wait uh, in the first half and then held them to basically, I think, three points in the second half again. Um, credit to the defense uh, for Cincinnati. Uh, defense coordinator, I don't know his name, but the adjustments that they made. Um, Mahomes definitely missed a lot of at times. Kansas City not taking that field goal at the end of the first half. Like, I get it. It's playoffs. It's balls to the wall. Like, it's win or go home. But, like, you're up pretty damn big. Like, get as many points on the board as you can and, and put as much pressure on them as you can. Um, Kansas City's inability to run the ball once again to me. Um, you know, we've always, always talked about this. Like, the game of football is won in the trenches. Yes, you want to have a really good quarterback. But if you can't protect them, it doesn't matter. If you can't run the ball to secure a lead, it doesn't matter. And Kansas City needs to figure out how to run the ball. It reminds me of those Philly teams we saw of Andy Reid where we watched Donovan McNabb thrown all over the place. Uh, Brian Westbrook would have these great games, and most of them were from, you know, catching screen plays and little dump-off passes. Um, but – what bothers me the most about this whole thing is that I literally started the playoffs saying Cincinnati was the team <laughs> in the playoffs, and I <laughs> win a single game every single time we did picks. I Not once did I pick Cincinnati to win. So, I don't know. But, um, yeah, Kansas City, man, they, look, they're, they're a great team, but they're, they're a team that has areas that they need to get better at, and that's specifically to me. That's their ability to run the ball and, and really, you know, control the clock and, and not just try to pass it up and down the field all day long. Look, Mahomes is great. We all know Mahomes is great. Mahomes is the only court, young quarterback in the league right now, and, I mean, Burrow, if he wins the Super Bowl, you know, we'll throw him in there, but until that happens, I, I just can't yet. But, like, you, you look at Mahomes and you're like, he's probably the only guy I see that could have the potential to, like, come close to winning as many rings as Brady. And you're like, unless you can get over this hump and be able to run the ball and I just they, – they have holes that are – become very glaring when they start playing teams that are, are talent-wise, you know, or toughness-wise – well, toughness-wise better than them. Um but Cincinnati, look, man, they're, they're the team that had nothing to lose, nothing to prove, and it continued to go that way. Um, so props to uh, Cincinnati, specifically their defense, the defense coordinator for the adjustments that they made in the second half. And I'm very excited to see them play in the Super Bowl. I think they're, I think they could be a, I think, I think it could actually turn into a really fun game to watch. I do too. I do too. And I was trying to get you to pick the Bengals last week. 
Told you you had the ability to do it, not lose any ground to Eric in that one. There you no, go. No. I got nobody to blame but myself. <laughs> Eric, what do you say? Oh, oh, Eric. Say, um, no, I'm here. I mean, hmm. for, for Mahomes to go from a 98 QBR to a 1.4 QBR between halves is a huge difference. Um, they didn't look right in the second half. Don't know what it was, but um, it was an ugly loss for them, in my opinion, and one that we'll see if they bounce back from next season. But the Bengals earned it. They went out, they played hard, they did what they needed to do, with it, regardless of their offensive line sucking. You know, they, they still found a way to run the ball. They still found a way to do what they needed to do. Um, I mean, I think the, the Jamar Chase and, you know, when you're getting some of these young QBs, it's showing that maybe it's a good idea to get some of the young friends to come and, and play with them. Uh, you know, you see it with Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith. You see it with uh, uh, Tua and Waddle. You see it with a bunch of different combinations now. And you, the biggest one out there is – Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, they're, they're the best young combo out there. And, uh, you know, I, I think it was pretty cool to see the picture of their two dads smoking cigars after the game. Yeah, it was. Um, together. So, I mean, that, that, yeah, listen, they're a good story. Rams are a good story. Stafford's a good story. Both QBs are SEC QBs. So, you know, how that makes me feel. Um, what team did Stafford play for? Georgia. Georgia. Uh, I know this one. I didn't know it. I'm sorry. This is only the second time I think two SEC quarterbacks have faced off outside of, I think, the last time was Peyton Manning and uh, Cam Newton. Mm. Oh, no, Mike, I didn't expect you to know it. I was just shocked that I remembered it. Oh, okay, okay. (laughs) Fair enough. Eric, correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't it Matthew Stafford and – oh, who was the running back that they had? He was a beast. Melvin Gordon, um, weren't they weren't they together at Georgia? Yeah, no, I don't know if it was Melvin Gordon. It, I gotta say, I don't else. think I don't think Gordon's been in the league that long. Stafford, like he's been in the league thirteen years now, I think. Yeah, but Stafford was in Georgia. He was pretty damn good there too. Cool. He was the last number one overall pick to not be uh, restricted by the rookie salary cap. No, nah, wasn't that. that wasn't that Bradford? Sam Bradford. Or what? Wait, Bradford came out. Well, whatever. Either way, doesn't really matter. <laughs> I knew that one. Especially for the context <laughs> of the conversation. But yes, that's true. Way. Yeah. So, but yeah, that Ram, that Rams Niners game, man. I felt bad for Debo Samuel. That that guy and that that defense literally just tried to carry Garoppolo. He missed. There are some throws he missed that would have changed that game. And mm-hmm. there, that I mean. The Rams going, I think it was 11 of 18 on third down is, to me, the big, was the difference maker in that whole game. I mean, they, they were forcing – San Fran was getting them the third downs, but they just kept finding ways to move the chain. Cooper Cup is just mean. I'm yeah. sorry, but what, what he does to defensive backs when he runs routes is just mean. Um, he's he's I, ridiculous. I I think there's at least two different plays in the fourth quarter where the DB was right on him and just fell because he couldn't keep up with the moves that that Cup was giving him. So, mm-hmm. but let me yeah. let me let me just say two things about 
the Rams Niners game real quick. Um, and then I'll throw a Tarek on that one. I will say, you know, it's it's cool to see Stafford get in the Super Bowl. You guys know I'm a fan of his second week in a row. I feel like the Rams did everything they could to kind of throw this one away. Almost literally that play with like two or three minutes to go where um, the the Niners DB and I'm forgetting his name. um had the ball, had the uh, the long pass that Stafford threw in his hands and just dropped it. Stafford got so lucky that Stafford didn't Stafford on that particular moment. So I, I was a little good for the Rams. I feel like they got lucky on this one. Kyle Shanahan now has uh, another uh, fourth quarter collapse to deal with on his resume there. And I'm going to say something to you, Eric. I know you're not a fan of Odell Beckham Jr. No one's saying you should be. He's definitely done enough to make everyone dislike him as a person. I thought Beckham did the classiest thing I've ever seen him do in his professional career. When he went over to Debo Samuel, who was crying on the bench, put his arm over to sh his shoulder and was on camera consoling him for about two minutes there. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I thought, like I said, classiest thing I've ever seen him do. Well, that's veteran experience. And I think really for him, he saw mm -hmm. like you're a great player. You're going to continue to be a great player. And this is the last time you're going to have a chance to make it to the Super Bowl. And I, I think he was, you know, having a veteran moment with a young, young player. Um it was a nice thing to see because it's something that if you have followed Beckham and you know the reputation he has, that's not something you would expect from him. So to see it, I, I thought it was really cool. Oh, I completely agree. I, I mm -hmm. wouldn't have, I mean, you could have asked me to bet money on that happening and I would have been like, all right, I'll take that bet that it doesn't happen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I, Eric, Eric, I need to know when it was early in the game, zero, zero and Stafford threw the pick in the end zone. How badly did you want to just text the group and be like, told you Stafford's going to Stafford? Wait, didn't uh, you? I, I No, I, I didn't. I, mean, I uh. didn't because, again, I thought it might come back to bite me later. <laughs> no, I didn't. But you wanted to. Same, I, I wanted to at the same time. And that's what I mean. It's like he, he does those things. And those are the things that cost you ball games sometimes. And he, mm. he did it in the first quarter, not the fourth quarter, thankfully. But – they're going to happen, and that's what worries me about him and that team. And Cincinnati can put up points, so I don't know. I think it's going to be I think it's gonna be a good game, an entertaining game. I think a whole bunch of points are going to be scored, even though I think the Rams have a good defense. I think uh, Burroughs used to be under duress by now, and, you know, he's figuring ways, ways around it and uh, elevating his game. So I think it could be an entertaining Super Bowl. Yeah. And uh, I have no idea how to pronounce his first name, but Tart was the guy who almost had the interception in the fourth quarter on Stafford there. And uh, how about Aaron Donald? I can't remember where it was in the in the second half where he literally gathers the entire team around, gives them the big uh, pump up speech, and they go out and wind up winning the game. I thought that was pretty cool to see. Uh, it's good to see him back in the Super Bowl because he's he's like one of the five best defensive players in the league. So to see him do that and have one of the biggest plays in the game when it mattered the most, that was really nice to see. It was right before it was right before it was right after the Rams took the lead and Sam Fran had to drive down and, and win the game. And what I find funny though is him and Von Miller 
you basically didn't say their names all game long. Yeah. And then they're the two that caused the pressure on Jimmy G to throw the pick and wrap the game up. Yeah. Um, and, and look, I, I I don't just think Von Miller's one of the or um, Aaron, Aaron Donald best five players in the league. I think I think arguably Aaron Donald might, when it's all said and done, could go down as one of the top five defensive linemen of all time. Like that man, just a unique human being. Um. And him, him, and Miller, and Floyd, and that that front seven is definitely going to give Burrow some problems. But I think, kind of like Eric mentioned before, with Safford, that Cincy defense ain't no joke. And that yeah. defense has the ability to adjust and to make plays. And unless the Rams get up big early. Um, that, that Cincinnati defense has a really, really good chance of, of putting Cincinnati in a place to win the game and, and walk away Super Bowl chance. Just, just to show you adjustment-wise, they were up – you know, Kansas City was up big. The defense did make the adjustments it needed to make. It played – in my opinion, that second half against the Chiefs is the best that defensive unit played all postseason so far. So to say they can't do that again – it's going to be a very interesting matchup. As a Giant saying? fan, though, I do find it disappointing that one yeah. of the matchups I could see in this Super Bowl is Odell Beckham being covered by Eli Apple. That's crazy. That's nuts. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I always – go ahead. Uh, Dallas's corner that just left Dallas last offseason – uh, he's one of the uh, bright spots on Cincinnati's defense, Awuzie. Uh, so it, it's, uh, but yeah, I, I didn't even think about Odell versus Eli Eli Apple. That's pretty freaking crazy. Yeah, I always forget Eli Apple is in Cincinnati. The only time I, the first time I remembered it all off season, he got a taunting penalty in that Titans game. Oh, there so, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um. Huh? Really quick, just because we brought up ex-Giants. Eric, please tell me you saw Eli Manning's video to Brady. I did not see that yet. Oh, oh I haven't seen it yet either. I know oh, it exists. God. So, look, the only part of it that matters is the end. And Eli literally says, winning – you won a Super Bowl while I was in college. You won Super Bowls while I was in the league. And you won – Fall after I retired. That's pretty amazing, but I really do appreciate you will, uh, being so willing to share some of those Super Bowl wins with me. <laughs> uh, I love it. He's he's a good like he. I don't know. Eli's just a good person. Uh, I love Eli. Eli and Peyton through their Monday night broadcast, give them their own TV sitcom. I'm all for it. <laughs> did, you guys, did you guys see um you guys see Peyton Manning on Saturday Night Live this week? No, I didn't even know he was on there. He showed up on weekend update. The idea was he was gonna talk about the uh I he was either gonna talk about the division round of the playoffs and preview the conference championship. I don't remember what it was supposed to be. He spent the whole time talking about some show on Netflix, um, Emily in Paris. Every time they started talking football, he directed it, redirected it to that show, Emily in Paris, which I had never heard of before. <laughs> it was pretty funny. 
Uh, the Manning Brothers are great. Even Archie sh- has shined in those uh, Bet MGM commercials. Mm. Yeah. They're, they're the NFL royalty, in my opinion. Hard to argue that. Yeah. Very hard to argue. Can't imagine arguing that. Yeah. All right. Um, so obviously we're going to save the bulk of the Super Bowl conversation and the Super Bowl picks uh, for next week. Um, shit. Um, Dave, I'm going to. No, I'm going to apologize here. Dave, who did you pick last week between San Francisco and Los Angeles? Because I really thought I wrote that down. I picked the Rams last week. Okay. But I right. picked and, you know, I got the Kansas City pick. For some reason, I really thought I wrote the Rams down. So with that, what is it? Dave, you're at 85 and 52. And Eric is at 83 and 54. So I think it's safe to say Dave is our sports zone picks champion for the 2021-2022 season. Yeah, I conceded that to him last week. Yeah, was there any doubt, Mike? I, I won it last year. I'm winning it again this year. I told Eric in week 13 I was coming. Well, I'm, I'm saying it just in case anybody wasn't listening last week. That's my cover. Fair, fair. All yes. right, fair yep. enough. All right. And I also couldn't think of another way to close that whole thing out. So that's what I was going with. Anyway. All right. So those are the biggest stories of the week. I don't know if anybody has anything else they want to bring up. Um, I'll tell you this. I did wind up watching some basketball last week. For some reason, uh, the MSG is not on Hulu, so I've not been able to watch any Nick games. But uh, I'll tell you this. Dave, what do you think about the way Clay Thompson looks on his comeback? He looks pretty fucking good, don't you think? Hey, uh, Clay Thompson playing in it, playing basketball is good for the league as a whole. Um, but yeah, no, he, he's pretty good. I, he, I mean, he still doesn't look like the Clay that we all know and love, but I don't think anybody expects him to look like that yet. Um, but now Steph Curry could be out for a couple games. He, he like shoulder or something, but it's more. Uh, precautionary than anything else. Like, you know, like playoffs, I don't think you have to miss any time. Um, but yeah, no, it's great to see Clay play. Um, and, and I, I think it, it just makes overall, I just think it makes basketball more fun is that when you have a great player like back in the league. Yeah. Absolutely. It is great to see him back. And the way the Warriors are managing him, I think it's pretty smart. He's only playing like four or five minutes a quarter. I think he has like a 20, 25 minute per game limit. So I think they're doing that smart. Uh, It'll be interesting to see the way um, they progress that. Um, I will say one thing. I did not see the whole... I know we don't really care about all-star games, starters and reserves and all that shit, but to see Anthony Wig- Andrew Wiggins make the starting um, roster of the all-star team, what you think of that one? That was just strange to me. Well, I think the stranger part is the fact that he got a starting spot over a couple different players that I think most of us would say probably deserved it for him. But yeah. with that, you actually look at how he's played this year. It's not like he put up all-star, you know, starting position numbers. So, you know, I, I, I get why people are like, oh, well, this person should have gotten it or this person. I get it. Like, I don't 
people are crazy for thinking that. But at the same time, you got to respect what he's done. Mm. And I, the last thing I'll say about the Warriors, if they get Curry, Clay, and Draymond all healthy with the reserve roster they've put together, they got some really talented young players there. They got Jordan Poole looks pretty good. Uh, Kumaninga, I think I saw, he looked pretty damn good. They got a really deep roster right now. So if they get everybody back and healthy, I think we may see the Warriors back in the championship circle this year. Yeah, I, I think it's it's pretty fair to assume that it's going to be Warriors Nets. I don't think that's a crazy uh, prediction. Uh, I mean, there's some really good teams in the West, but the Warriors top to bottom are the best team. I don't know, man. You guys are looking better than the Nets right now. There's a lot of teams looking better than the Nets right now. I'll tell yeah, you what, Philly is the one Ben Simmons straight away from looking like uh, you know a real contender, too. Embiid's yep. a beast. I can't believe they still haven't. If they could pair somebody with him, if they could find some way to make something work, to get somebody back to play with him, they gotta find that way. They gotta do something because I mean, they're they're literally losing a whole nother year. Mm, yeah, and, and kudos. The, oh, go ahead. With the way Embiid's playing, just get me a three point shooter. I don't even need him to be all star car- caliber. Just give me a guy that can shoot forty to forty five percent from three. I mean, Embiid, mm. month of January, averaged like 37 points a game. Like, that's absurd. Yeah, Maury is really cutting his nose off despite his face there with the way he's handling the Simmons thing. But uh, kudos to your boys, the Bulls, currently first place in the Eastern Conference. You guys are just handling everything right now. Well, uh, they, they've had some injury issues. Um, they've lost a couple Tied games. with Miami, though. I will say that. Uh, yeah. They're up a half game. Up a half game. No, they're tied with Miami. They're up a half on Philly. No, I'm no, looking at it. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, it's a virtual tie. It's a virtual tie. I stand corrected. Eric, Eric is right. Uh, they have the same. They have uh, a one game differential, but uh, tied in like percentage points. They, you're right. You're right, Eric. Yeah, and it's it, it's just because the games played so far because Chicago yes. had to get postponed because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, look, I, I think. Do I think Chicago is a team that, you know, can win a series in the East? Yeah, but I don't think Chicago – I don't think they have enough depth to be able to, you know, make a run to the champ- the finals. Um, I mean, they, ha- they are actually undefeated against the Nets so far this year, um, but then they lose games to, like, Orlando. So, um Chicago's a team that's learning how to win. They don't know this type of success, especially some of their young players. Um, but I was amped to see their one guy, Io or A. Um, he just made the uh, Rising Stars game. Uh, Chicago drafted him in the second round. Um, and anytime you can get a guy that, like, and he's a solid performer for them, shows up week in and week out or day in and day out. Like, anytime you can get a guy like that in the second round, like, that's a steal. Um, so that's really nice. But their biggest thing is if they if they need to keep Levine and DeRozan healthy for the playoffs, because if either one of them are down, they're, they're, they're really just an average team. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, and there ain't no way I'm going to be able to pronounce that name, so I ain't even going to try. All right. Um, Eric? Here. Yeah. Eric? I'll go to you now because here we are on February 1st. 
Players Association and Major League Baseball met again today, and it doesn't look like we're any closer to the lockout ending. We haven't talked about this in the last month. Now it looks like spring training is in danger of getting pushed back, and now we're running into a situation where if they don't do something within the next couple weeks, they they may have to push the start of the season back. I think they're going to have to. I don't think that they're going to be much of an option otherwise. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think they're going to have to push it back. Yeah, we we talked about it for a while, that this was probably going to be a pretty long lockout. I'm really hoping – some miracle comes in and they're able to solve this. So like, if you got to cancel a couple pre uh, spring training games, all right, fine. I really don't want to see the start of the season get affected because then you're running into a lot of different problems there, but you, and you still got a lot of free agents unsigned. So I just really hope over the next couple of weeks, they're able to figure something out here, but uh, it's not looking good. No, but it wasn't looking good from last offseason or, or at any point, really. I mean, unless somebody's – unless they're really just keeping the nego- – which I'm going to sit here and hope they're doing. I just hope they're keeping the real negotiating at the table where it belongs and who gives a shit if it gets leaked out here to us. Make the progress in the room where it counts, and, you know, we'll find out about it when we find out about it. That's what I'm hoping is that we hear they're not close, we hear whatever. I'm just hoping that – the reports are they're not they're just not accurate that they're closer than we think or whatever but just not done yet you know i'm hoping that's that's what i'm hoping uh, sure. i don't know like i mean I, i'm hoping that that's what it is they're keeping it behind closed doors where it belongs now that's not the history between these two and usually you know these guys like to air things out through the media and everything else and like court of public opinion kind of be the judge but at the same time, I just hope that that's not what's happening because if it is, that's what's going to be coming towards us in the next couple of weeks, a whole bunch of leaks and other stuff. And if that happens, I think we're definitely looking at the season getting pushed back. If not, and things stay quiet, I think the quieter, the better, because then, I mean, I hope that that just means they're figuring out behind the scenes, not bad mouthing each other. Yeah, and I will say so far, there hasn't been a tremendous amount leaked out. So I'm hoping that goes to your point there that they've finally gotten past that. But the the next couple of weeks will be the uh, big determiner of that one. So we'll just see what happens there. All right. Either you guys got anything else you'd like to talk about tonight? Uh, Hey, there was a great U.S. uh, great uh, World Cup qualifying match against USA and Canada which I think is always exciting. Um, USA is doing really well, so they might actually make the fucking World Cup again for the first time, I think, in eight years, um, which is hmm. basically the only way to make soccer overly interesting in the United States. So um, I think that's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, and without Fife, without uh, Smellrose here, I, I, I don't even feel right talking hockey, so... <laughs> I mean, listen, the only thing I'll say hockey-wise, Rangers keep playing well. They're, you know, up, you know, I think they're fourth in the overall conference in the East, second in their division, um, playing really good hockey, so I'll say that. The Devils, not so much. They're having a rough go this year, but they are one of the youngest teams, if not the youngest team in the league, so uh, I'm sure that they'll improve. But right now, it's it's the Rangers that are the – 
the hot ticket in the area. So, I mean, I don't know if you guys have caught any games or heard anything, but they're, they're playing really well right now. And uh, losing right now to Carolina, I think the Carolina is, if I'm not mistaken, the number one team in the league. So it's either Carolina or Florida. <laughs> Who are they playing right now? No, they're playing the Florida Panthers. I'm sorry, the Florida Panthers. And the Panthers well, both of them are, are at I the believe, top. Yeah. Yeah, Top exactly. of their divisions, yeah. Well, no, okay. The, the Panthers are actually the number one team in the league. Oh, I was just looking at it by division. 69 overall points, 32-9-5 on the year. <laughs> Playing really oh, well. Right. So, I mean, uh, You go yeah. by points in hockey. You don't go by standings. I forgot. I just saw they both had like 32-9 and nine and 31-9, and nine, and that's what my eyes went to. Well, yeah, no, they're so, both playing really well, but the Rangers are playing great hockey, so that's all I wanted to throw in. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I, y'all know I can't throw in anything on hockey. I haven't watched anything, so I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to stay here in shame. There's not much else. I mean, there's no golf right now. Not much, you know, out there tennis-wise or anything else that's exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, college sports, I mean, this is the time where people start ramping up towards college basketball. March Madness about a month away. You start getting into conference tourneys and stuff. So actually uh, I want to always an exciting time of year. So I don't know if you guys are going to start getting into college basketball at all. But well, I, I want to just maybe starting to catch some games. I want to ask you actually, cause yeah, I got this Hulu now and I, every night there's all these college games on like, what are the teams to really target? What are the teams to really watch? Any of them. I mean, college basketball is one of those things because it's the, it's the sweet, you know, it's the big dance. It's 64 teams or 68 teams now. So, I mean, really, any one of the top 68 teams in the country, pretty much, like, watch them all, like, because you're going to see them probably in the tourney. And uh, that's the fun part is watching them there. So, really, any games you can catch. But, I mean, I would say look up the top 25, maybe, and those are the games. Those are the teams that are a little bit better. Um, Do you I have any – specific? I'm not even saying it, but, like, I get, I'm, I'm looking right now, and believe it or not, Auburn, I didn't even realize it's the number one ranked team in the country. 20 and Ooh. one on the season. I've never even, I didn't even know that. That's crazy. Um, don't frown on Alabama, Eric. Alabama's been fighting. No, they're fighting. They're definitely fighting. Um, yeah, but- Auburn also is where I think Charles Barkley went to Auburn. He did. He did. If Alabama has a good showing in their conference tournament, they could, they could make the dance. Oh, yeah. Well, no, right now they're actually uh, showing as the, 2016, like they're not in the top 25, but they're they're the you know number one team on the bubble out on the outside. Yeah, the ranking at. the rankings I'm looking at, they're at the top of the list in terms of others receiving votes. In yeah, one so poll, I mean, they got pretty much yeah, yeah. So that's where if you see like LSU got 78 votes, mm-hmm. Alabama got 39. So they're kind of like the 26th ranked team if you would look at it that way. So what teams do you guys normally try to watch for college basketball? I've always just watched the big schools. I'll be honest with you. I was always somebody who watched like North Carolina. No, I never had a big team because I lived here in the East. So, I mean, where, where we live here, college basketball isn't as huge as it is in other places per se. That's because we didn't live through the heydays of St. John's being good and Seton Hall being good. We were too young when Seton Hall actually had a good run. I think it was like 89, I want to say. 88, 89, they had a really good run and made it made a run in the tournament. But I mean, it's been years and years since any of those teams were any good. So, hi, hello, hi, I'm back. What I miss? All right. uh, I was just telling you about teams that uh, you know, in the East here. How 
basketball, you know, I had to follow. You had asked what teams to follow. I yeah, I really wanted I really schools. wanted to hear that answer too. Well, I'm giving it to you. I'm telling <laughs> you to follow the bigger schools because here in the East, we don't have really good college basketball. We didn't live through the prime of St. John and Seton Hall in like 89. Like we didn't yeah. live through those times. Like unfortunately, yeah. we were too young. So what I always grew up doing is I followed North Carolina. I followed, you know, unfortunately Duke, even though I didn't really like Duke. I always respected Shashevsky and still do, but I was never a Duke guy. I was always more of a UNC guy. Still followed him would watch games uh kentucky kansas ucla like i would just follow like not necessarily like root for but i would just follow these schools because they tend to play in a lot of big games they tend to play against each other michigan state's another one with tom izzo um, oh, yeah, yeah. fantastic coach they're they're a good program and i always try to catch if i could watch them they're um, always in it yeah so i mean uh syracuse was another one that i always just kind of followed they were you know, the, uh, a really good team under Bayhine or, you know, so mm. that, that that's what I would do is I would follow the bigger schools. Like right now, Gonzaga is probably the biggest school out there to follow. You know, they're consistently, you know, in the top almost every year now. Um, UCLA, like I said, Kentucky, Duke, Kansas, Michigan State. Like you can't go wrong with any of those teams. And they're almost always usually in the top 25. UConn was another one I used to follow more. But mm. I really haven't followed them much, honestly, since Kemba Walker came in. He was probably the last guy I watched coming out of UConn. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say stick to the bigger schools. But for the most part, watch any game you can because any of those teams you could see again in uh, March Madness. And then that's the crazy part. Because it's not like college football where you really have to hone in on, like, a couple teams – and, you know, there's really only a couple teams were, that are going to make it, but it's a four-team college playoff in college football. It's 68 in the in college basketball. So, and yeah. the fact that it's one and done, um, we, there have been some big big upsets in recent years. So, I mean, it's it's definitely fun and worth watching. So, if you get a chance to watch any of it, watch any of it. But if you want to try to follow some schools, I would suggest following the bigger schools, mm. the bigger, like, you know, prestige programs. Yeah. Dave, what about you? I, if I'm not mistaken, you watch college basketball too, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe a week or two, uh, maybe a week or two ago, Auburn and Alabama actually played each other and went wire. It was a great freaking game. Um, I, I think that Eric's really spot on though. Like if you're a casual fan, like you really want to focus on the big schools. Um, I root specifically for UNC, uh, being a, a, a big diehard John, uh, Michael Jordan fan. You should have seen that one coming. Yeah, like it, it kind of just that's what I went with. And like Eric said, like, you know, living up here in the East, like really college sports just isn't a thing for the most part up here because we really don't have any, you know, really good colleges unless you head out towards like Penn State or, you know, something like that. Um, you know, Rutgers, I don't think met, Rutgers men's basketball team has been in the tournament in like 15 years. Mm. Uh, but, you know, when I look at college basketball, I think Eric said it the best. Watch any game. Like, seriously, mm. like I, that is probably the best part of college basketball is that nine out of ten times you're going to get a game that's going to be a good game. I mean, yeah, the team might, you know, the one team might win by seven or eight, but they don't pull away until there's like four minutes left in the game where I'm out. So yeah, I, I think college basketball in general, you really just want to focus on, on the bigger name teams because they're the ones that have guys that, you know, if you're an NBA fan, you're going to watch them and be able to 
be guys that you're like, holy shit, that dude's going to play in the league one day. Um, but outside of that, I, I, I haven't watched a lot of it so far this year, but that's more just because I have to mentally prepare for March Madness because then I watch basically nothing but that. So, hmm. uh, yeah, I, I can't wait for March Madness to get here. Uh, last year was the first year in like 30 years that Duke and North Carolina didn't make it. I think both teams have the potential to actually back this year. Um, they're going to be on. They, they're going to be on the bubble um, for the most part. Neither team is you know, dominant, but they, they both uh, have a lot of potential to you know be able to sneak in as a, a lower seed, which will be very interesting to see. Um, but yeah, no college basketball is always a great time. You can't go yeah. wrong with college basketball. I tell you, my, one of my favorite thirty for thirties, and I'm sure you guys have seen it. Requiem for the Big East. Oh, yes. Love that one. Really yeah, well yeah. told. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's that that's a throwback to when the Big East actually mattered. Yeah. Yeah. The Ewing days. And uh what was it? Villanova getting the upset in the final four. Yeah. Oh yeah. Villanova upsetting North Carolina a couple years back. That was one of the craziest games I've ever watched in my life, college or NBA. Huh. Did not remember that one. I feel like it's been a while since North Carolina's had a really good team, though. Oh, we're we're not going too far back here, Mike. We're going maybe five years. Eric, you know a game I'm talking about where what's his name hit the yeah, three yeah. The buzzer. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I know which game you're talking about. Yeah, it was probably like I want to say like five years ago, four or five years ago. Like Mike, maybe six tops. Okay. Mike, North Carolina went up one. Like, they hit a shot to go up one with, like, seven seconds left. Villanova doesn't call timeout. They inbound the ball. The drive – the guy – God, I wish I could remember his name right now. He pushes the ball up, goes to his right, stops at the right wing, jumps and turns midair to square his shoulders, and bangs a three-pointer as the buzzer goes off to win the game. It so wasn't Mikel Bridges, was it? Speed changes in the final eight seconds of the game. Was it Mikel Bridges? It wasn't Mikel Bridges, was it? Oh no, white dude. Um, uh, that sounds pretty exciting, though. Sounds yeah. pretty miraculous the way he okay. did it. But yeah, speed changes in the final eight seconds of the game. Crazy. Now was was that this might sound stupid and I apologize if it is. Was that a was that a um, tournament game? That was the national championship game. The final. Yes, game. I, I thought that might sound stupid. Yes, I apologize. It's all right. No question is stupid. Okay. All right. And I never claimed to be a college basketball expert. Anyways, I got that going for me. There you go. All right. <laughs> all right, man. I'm looking up what year that was. All right. While you're doing that, I don't know if anybody got anything uh, TV-wise they want to talk about here. I thought the uh, the Book of Boba Fett had the best episode of this. Was it? Was it 2016 or 2018? I would say I I I believe it was 2016. 
Well, Mike, while he's looking that up, the I, like I said, I'm not watching Boba Fett until uh, every episode's out. I'll tell you this: you really haven't missed missed anything much this uh, thus far. The last episode, like I said, was the best episode of the season. Yeah, it was. I'll agree yeah. with Mike there. The last episode was the best episode. Yeah. I'm not going to spoil anything for you, Dave. Don't worry. But it, it was. And it was. Listen, we can talk about the series once you're good with it. Have you guys watched Peacemaker? Yeah. Love Peacemaker. One of the best on TV, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No, they've done a really good job on it. We actually, t- me and Dave, we actually talked about it. I want to say a couple weeks ago. Um, was it last week? Ever. It was just me and you to end the show. Yeah, I couldn't remember if that was last week or two weeks ago. Uh, it was last week. Hmm. All right. So, two, 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 why is it not? It was 2016. Me? All right. 2016. Were, I believe and North Carolina that. really? Wow. Okay. I am so far off with this. North Carolina made the conference, uh, the the national championship game, 2016 and 2017. Yeah, they won. They lost it in 16. They won it in 17. Yeah, Chris Jenkins. Uh, that, but that that game against Nova was just out of this world. Yeah, no, that's the guy who hit the buzzer beater. That's that's what they're saying, Chris Jenkins. Oh, there you go. Now I feel yeah. better. Yeah, Wikipedia. That's what I use. That's what I go to. Yeah. Um, No. But anyway, yeah, no, to go to Eric's point, Peacemaker, yes, love it. I think every episode is kind of building on the last one. I'm really looking forward to seeing the way they they go. I think there's three episodes left, right? Because last week was the fifth one. There's eight in this, right? I honestly don't know. I think it's eight. Eric? Confirm, deny. Oh, he dropped out. He just texted us. Oh, shit. Do I got to let him back in? I got to let him back in. I was looking at Wikipedia. I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) I'm sure I'll understand. Eric, I still had Wikipedia up. I wasn't paying attention. No problem. No problem. That's why I sent a text. Anyway, um, I do want to get your guys' thoughts on Peacemaker, though, because... Janice refuses to watch with me, so I got nobody to talk about with it. And to me, it's one of the best shows on TV. Like, yeah, I'm um, the hell out of Peacemaker. So I, I kind of want to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Well, I got, I got, I got up, to, up to this week, so I mean, I'm, I'm good, but to talk about anything, I, yeah, I got, I want to, I want, I want to say this first before we go into uh, Peacemaker, because with everything you've said about Janice, and with everything I know about cousin David's wife Nancy. Uh, we got to get the two of them together and have a little Statler and Waldorf situation going on there because I think it would be hysterical because Nancy is literally the same way. When I went over to Cousin David's, uh, our birthday weekend, and we were chilling up there, me and him, were, I, I was showing him Peacemaker, and Nancy's sitting in the other room. She's just flat out refusing to watch it. Oh, my God. That, the opening <laughs> credits alone make me want that show. Yeah. Yeah, no, oh, Nancy. I mean, that, that, yeah, that, that that is it. That is one of the best opening sequences, like or, or like opening songs in a show that, yeah, like, yeah. ever. And like, I gotta be honest, it's one of those things that like normally, like Cobra Kai comes on, and I'll skip the intro. Like yeah. Boba Fett comes on, I skip the intro. Like Peacemaker comes on, I don't skip the intro. 
<laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I watch I... it every single time. Every single time I sit here for that, whatever it is, minute and 40 seconds and watch that every single time and love it just as much every time. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this. I read an interview with James Gunn where he's urging people not to skip the intro because apparently that thing is going to take on a life of its own kind of. And it the, the tone of it kind of shifts to the end. If you if you know the episode, if you know the interview I'm talking about, read the interview because he described it better than I could. But apparently that I think thing it was is a collider. I think you know what I'm talking about, about, though. You know I what do, I'm talking. But he about? was saying not that it changes. He goes, your perception yeah. on it changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Show goes on. That's so exactly like, right. Yes. It, the, your perception on it he goes. The opening sequence itself never changes. Yes. But he goes by the end of the show, you kind of look at it and it takes on more of like a a sad tone, almost if you will. Yes. More yes. Than like. And like it could change your perception of it by the end of the show, but at the same time, I'm loving it every time. Yeah, yeah. This past episode I thought was really cool. Yes, it is. It is eight, eight episodes. And, vi- and vigilante is he not one of the best characters on all of TV? I really like him. Actually, I didn't think I was going to like him at first. He's growing on me. He really he is. That scene in jail, man. I got to tell you. Oh, that um, was the best scene. Like, that was he, the best. I, I, I was like, that, that <laughs> is funny. But at the same time, it's pretty badass. <laughs> he like legit has no fear. Like, and I, like, oh, I right, I'm gonna go say this to a whole bunch of like, <laughs> and the pharmacist, and you know we're gonna get it on. Let's do it. <laughs> and here's the deal. He says that I didn't take him seriously to that point. He says that I'm thinking, oh, he's gonna get the shit kicked out of him. Then he just completely mauls the hell out of all four of them without even breaking a sweat. I was just like, no, he's oh, bad. okay, oh yeah, I, I didn't expect that. What do you say, Dave? Oh no, he's awesome. He's a great character. I thought like when they first like, I didn't obviously know he was the fast food guy or the restaurant kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then when like they I, he first gets his master moves and I thought it was hit and you see it's him and I'm like, really this guy? And by the time he he almost loses his toe, I'm like, I love this character. <laughs> yeah, I love. Him. I do. I think he's one of the best characters on TV. I mean, just some of the stuff they're doing in the show, outlandish, crazy, like, but at the same time, ground like uh, James Gunn just awesome in my opinion when it like, comes to creating this kind of stuff whether it's the guardian stuff that he does or even this stuff now and i am excited to hear that you know maybe there might be a season two of this down the road not a, obviously immediately he's got a lot of other stuff going on but and that he's looking at other projects dc wise i think it could be fun it seems like dc's letting him do a little bit more of the gore a little bit more of the r-rated stuff that he likes um anyway so you know and he says this is gonna be his last go around with marvel with guardians 3 so i'm going back to my tim foil hat theory of make it if they don't want to have the snyder verse make it the gun verse i will i will say eric when you originally brought that up the tin foil hat theory from you was feige was going to take over and what did i say what did i say i thought it was going to be james gunn well no i said that it could be a combination of if Feige wants out, you know, he could be looking for something else. And, you know, mm. who knows? I said, but at the same time, I did say the same thing as you did, though, that gun being in D.C., he's going to bring you some people over there and they're going to have a lot of fun. And yeah. like I said, if they don't want to continue with that Snyderverse, that's all well and good. 
have it be a gun verse and let him include any of the old people that he wanted from whatever universes he wanted, whether it's the new Matt Reeves Batman or wherever he wants out of Snyder's verse, like let him take all of that, like and use it to his advantage and mold something into a universe that, that makes sense to DC. Um, yeah. He could be a great creative mind. And I like to hear that they're going to be doing more stuff going forward. And I'll tell you this, you guys realize we're about a month away from the Batman finally coming out, a movie I never thought any of us would live to see because it had been pushed back so many times. This movie's been on the slate. It It looks looks very good. We've been waiting for this movie for over six years. So it's amazing. Have you up for the Batman at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I was laughing the other day. I was with my boy and his girl, and, and she, like, really wants... She knows I'm into the superhero shit. Like, they're not, like... They don't hate it, but they're not, like, die hard about it. So we were talking about it, and she's like, I really want to go see it. And my boy looked at the two of us, and he's like, I ain't wasting my time or money to go see that. So I looked at her, I'm like, yo, fuck him. Me and you were going together. <laughs> so, um, yeah, no, I, I am... Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, the way the trailers look... Um, I did not imagine seeing uh, Pattinson be able to pull off the dark Batman, the the version of Batman that people like actually love. Yeah, uh, I didn't think he'd be able to pull it off, but based off of the trailers, he looks he looks perfect for it, and he sounds perfect for it. From like I said, but I mean it's just trailers. So the one thing I hope is that they do something similar to. Um, you know, what you see with Marvel and some of the things you see in the trailer aren't in the movie and it's like a different, you know, experience. That would be cool. That would be cool. I like what they're doing with the Riddler in these, you know, depending on how the movie goes, actually. It looks like like this ain't Jim Carrey's Riddler. This ain't Frank Gorshwin's uh, Riddler. This is something we've never seen before. So that'll be pretty cool. Which, don't get me wrong, I I like me some Jim Carrey. I'm a Jim Carrey Absolutely. yeah. But at the same time, I am excited to see this different take on it, darker take on it. Um, the fact that I mean, I still every time I see him in that pro, in the prosthetics, like to see um, Colin Farrell as the Penguin does like, not still look kind like of him. Blows me. Like it doesn't look like him. And that's yeah. a whole TV show. Like you have to be in prosthetics all the time. <laughs> it seems like really get those certain scenes down, but. Uh, I don't know. The whole world that they're kind of building there seems seems cool. It seems exciting. Seems you know different. Seems like there's going to be a lot of different elements to it. And it's supposed to be really long. It's the other thing I hear about it: three plus hours, right? Or two, right around three hours for this movie. I think I think we all feel the same way, though. I don't think any of us really give a shit if it's a three-hour movie, as long as it's good, right? Yeah, as long as it's good, and that's what I'm hoping is that it doesn't yeah. drag, that it that it moves, yeah. that story moves so uh, you know we'll have to wait and see but that uh, that's is what i'm hoping yep. yeah that, that's the only thing that makes a three-hour movie suck is when they have that 20 minute stretch where you're just like will you get to the next important fucking scene like enough with this love story and them flirting with each other you know whatever like that's the one thing i'm worried because they're definitely painting a love story with catwoman and i am a little worried about how far they drag you into that where you're like yeah like, can we move on? Mm. Or even like, if you guys remember jo- the Whedon version of uh, jo- of Justice League, when he has that whole side story of like getting the family out of the town safely, and like there's one family, and like oh they, sure, you know, 
like that whole side, like pointless, like not needed. Get rid of mm-hmm. that. And give me some more action. Give me some more fighting. Give me that dark, uh, dark side stuff. Give me that. Give me, give me the other stuff we want to see. I don't need that other crap that just moves the story along, like or does, not even really moves the story along, but just filler crap. Get rid of that the filler. Dark, give us the action. Dark Knight and, Rises is one that was kind of like that too. Sorry to cut you off, Eric. I mean, yeah, I, I was just gonna say, I think the one thing about the Snyderverse that, like, I'd love to see is just, just give me the Justice League part. I don't need all the other movies. Just give me the Justice League part, because I'm sorry, but the way they set up Darkseid and and like, I mean, if like I, I watch, um, the I love the animated movies that DC does because they're so much more darker. Mm. Um, like the way Darkseid is, like he would make such a great villain. Like I'd take him over Thanos in a heartbeat. In a Interesting. Heartbeat. Interesting that you say that Thanos was, yeah, Thanos was based on Dark Side because they were both, if I'm not mistaken, they were both created by Jack Kirby. I, I honestly have absolutely no. You're clue. correct. You're correct. So yeah, I just, I personally like Dark Side. Just seems like, I mean, even in the animated movies, the the one where they fight Dark Side is dark. It's it's wrong, or I mean. Give me a, a dark flashpoint movie. Like, I, I mean, there's so many things they can do that they've done so well with the animated movies. I really don't understand how, how they keep continuously messing up the ability. Stop trying to not be like Marvel, for the love of God. Yeah. Start your freaking universe. Give us a real universe. We know the multiverse exists in the DC. We all already know that. So yeah. what the hell? Like you can have your spin-off movies and your multiverse movies without even integrating it with your actual universe. Like they they need to get over their freaking pride and, and the Marvel template works. Like well, speaking of which, did you not to cut you off, but did you hear about uh, Joaquin Phoenix and and Todd Phillips? They're coming. They are going to do a Joker too. Ugh. I'm. Uh, They're not I, connecting I, it. I, They're I, still not doing any Batman stuff. It's still not going to be that. But, um, you know, but they are going to be doing a Joker, too. As much, and Dave, I, I feel like you were going to say the same thing. As much as I loved the first one, and I'd probably be cool with the second one, I I don't need a second one, and I almost don't want a second one. Because I just feel like what they did in the first one was borderline perfect. Even though there were some slow moments in that movie, the, the last hour of that was so goddamn good. I, I, I don't know. You risk, you risk harming it by doing another one like that. What do you say, Dave? Uh, yeah, I'm basically on the same page as you. I, I think it's just one of those things where I think you really nailed it. And I mean, if it's leading to a bigger world, mm-hmm. then I'll roll with you. But yeah. I mean... The, the Joker, to me, I love the Joker, but just like Batman's not Batman without the Joker, the Joker's not the Joker without Batman. Mm-hmm. They created something very interesting and very, very well done the way they did it. But yeah, if you're still in that world and there's no Batman, what's the adversary in the next one? It was believable that he didn't have an adversary in the first one, and the world at large was kind of his adversary. Does that really hold for a second movie? 
I got, I got to be honest. I don't know until I start getting like a plot synopsis or something out there. I really just don't know what the story is going to be, but I can't imagine that Phillips and Phoenix, like Joaquin Phoenix isn't the type of guy that's just going to come back to, to make money on another movie. You know what I mean? Sure. Like he's, he's one of those eccentric guys who like, likes to pick his roles and, you know, be, a, you know, himself and, I don't think he would be a normal like so that's why to bring him back i think they gotta have some kind of idea that actually makes sense and like that that probably does you know further the story they were telling along because again i think when like you're seeing that rise of him there it's you saw some of the thomas wayne stuff you saw some like a little bit of bruce stuff in there i think it's going to be similar to that where bruce is still too young he hasn't risen up yet and it's going to be somewhere in that time frame still of like him being you know, pretty much right in that same, you know, when he got put away, I think it's going to be a continuation from there and not something like in the future. So that's how yeah. I think they can get away with it without having Batman necessarily in there yet. But still, it's all going to depend on the story and the story's got to be good. It's got to be right. Well, and, I just, yeah. I, I just wonder, I don't know if they do anything like it with the Batman but we all know Flashpoint is coming out soon. And, you know, we all heard Michael Keaton's going to be in that one. Because that's the movie where they'd incorporate the multiverse. I don't know. Is that where they take the opportunity to put that Joker in the world of the Batman? No. I don't think I hope so. not. Unless it's done in a really well done way. I, I wouldn't want them to do that. No, you say, I don't Dave? see that happening. What do you say, Dave? Honestly, from my understanding, the, the Batman movie is supposed to be all by itself. They have no intention sure. to fix anything else. So uh, my assumption is that that's really what we're going to be seeing is, you know, it, it's going to be its own world, its own, own thing. And it'll be that'll be that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And Joker's supposed to be in his old in his own world, too. I don't know. I was just theorizing i just really wonder like as much as that was the original manifesto on both of them that they were both going to be in their own thing do we really trust these guys to stick to their word on that i, I don't trust dc at all in general that's what i'm saying I wouldn't mind some kind of soft reboot though of if the affleck's out they can find a way to incorporate battinson in and keep some of the continuity because I like Cavill as Superman. I like, you know, some of the stuff they've done. Yeah. Where, you know, I like Zachary Levi as Shazam. I want to see Cavill versus the Rock. Versus the Rock. I want to see some things happen. So I don't want to see everybody from that universe just go in this Flashpoint movie. Just, you know, reset the whole, you know, timeline. That's not what I'm, you know, what I'm hoping to get out of this. Maybe, like I said, they could find ways to let go of maybe, you know, um, Batfleck and bring in Battinson. I, I don't know if that's the way. Well, I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm. I'm sorry again. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm sure you've heard. Keaton apparently is going to be the mainstream Batman again. Yes and no. I mean, he's going to be in old Batman. Yeah, but I'm saying they're going to use Flashpoint to bring him into the DCEU, and he, in effect, yeah, yeah, is going to be. Mean, yeah. yeah. But they still need a younger Batman, and that's why I'm hoping that maybe, like I said, Batson comes in or something, and they're going to use 
you know, Keaton's Batman in more of an elderly role because I do know that he's in the new Batgirl movie or whatever that they got coming out too. Something like that, but yeah. I did, hear, I did hear that 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 Keaton's in that as well. So they cast a Nightwing, if I heard if I heard correctly, they casted a Nightwing. I did not hear that. I think I heard that like within. Oh, we lost him this time. We lost him this time. So he'll come back eventually and he'll probably still be talking. But either way, um, (laughs) yeah, I'm excited for the Batman. I'm excited for, oh, listen, I'm still excited for the rest of Boba Fett. Definitely excited for the last three Peacemaker uh, of Peacemaker. Oh, did I cut Um, out again? Oh, yeah, you were long gone. Second you started talking. (laughs) Fantastic. So, yeah, no, we're just uh, good to know. There's still some good TV on. I haven't caught any of Ozark. I know that came back as well on Netflix, so. Never seen it. It's good. You should get it's worth a watch, Mike, if you get a chance. It's it's a good Mm. show. I've heard that. Dave, Dave, I think you were I think he was in the Ozark, if I'm not mistaken, right? Oh yeah, I I already finished the the new season. What a cliffhanger. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I haven't I haven't even started the new season yet. Oh yeah. No, it, Mm. it it is well worth watching. Mike, I do think you'd like it. What's his uh what's it, Bateman? Is that his yeah, name? Jason, yeah, Jason Bateman. Yeah, yeah. Like, I've always looked at him as a comedic role, but holy shit, his well, ability ability to play the role that he plays in that movie, in that show, is is beyond impressive. Oh yeah, I always liked him in Arrested Development. You guys ever watch Arrested Development? I watched the I, first three seasons. That was a good show. Yeah, it only went downhill once uh, Netflix picked it up. I didn't even watch because I, I, I watched the fourth season when they first picked it up, and then they did the thing where they like recut the fourth season and then made a fifth season. I didn't even watch that. Yeah, no, don't don't waste your time. Mm-hmm. No, no. All right, I guess that will do it for us here tonight. Unless anybody has anything else. Uh, That's all I got for you tonight. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening here. Thank you, Cousin David, when he was in the chat there. Let's do some final thoughts. Dave Hastings. Always a pleasure as usual, gentlemen. Uh, Stay warm. God willing, uh, we move faster towards warm weather and nice weather compared to another storm. (laughs) I'll see. Hey, Dave. (laughs) Dave, I don't want you to just stay warm. I want you to stay sweaty. There it is. I'll do my best. I promise. <laughs> Eric Tressler. I'm going to take sweaty, that as stay sweaty, my friend. Yes. And I am Mike Aglioloro. Thank you, everybody, for listening to all our podcasting outlets Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Anchor, Bullhorn. Thank you all for listening. We will see y'all next week. <laughs>